Richter trying to scoot in there alone. It pinballs to the crease. Let's get it. Oh my god! Here we go, here we go. You're listening to the Crabtree Blues Podcast. With your hosts, Derek. How are you going to get it, Bobby? John. Matt Casey. Unnecessary, but totally necessary. And Cody. What's not to love? He's muted still. <laughs> You're muted, buddy. Am What's going on, everybody? <laughs> was muted That's a good way to kick it off. <laughs> Am I good now? You're good now. <laughs> okay, I, I I didn't mute myself. I'm not sure what was going on. Um, but it must, regardless, it must have been the mute from from the intro. It must have been. I'm also on other websites right now. I'm not going to tell you what they are. But regardless, <laughs> <laughs> what is happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Pod Street Bullies. In case John didn't greet you all properly, my name is Dan. Go Birds. Go, Go Birds. birds. Yeah, whatever. Hey, this is a hockey hey, podcast. Hey, 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 I still heard the Birds chant at the Flyers game on Wednesday. So, or, uh, Are you surprised? Are you surprised <laughs> at all? Absolutely not. Huge win. Huge win. Yeah. I got to tell you something. I am more confident in this team than last year's team. Dynamic. I, I, I can't. I don't want to say it because I don't want to jinx it. But yeah. I want to say it. I'm telling you, man. Don't I got feels. It. Please don't say it. I got feels. Good for you I guys. Just, Happy for the you. Eagles. I mean, it's it's the resiliency, right? Like right. They, the past couple of games, they come back from from behind to win games. It's yep. They impressive. win ugly. Yeah. They win ugly. <laughs> Keeps you on the edge of your seat. But we don't want a little cowboy fan to get all upset over oh, here. So if you want to go and talk about hockey. I'm not really upset. I mean, that's the main reason I'm just confused because Pod Street Bullies is a hockey podcast, right? Right. But we so shut know. the hell up. Let's talk Flyers hockey right now. This is the guy Anyways, Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> you guys are all wearing Eagles guard. Well done. Here. Well done. Touche, Hoagie. That might be the most cunning thing you've ever said on the show. Yes. <laughs> Find another way to amaze me, pal. Um, Getting into the action from this past week, uh, kind of a (laughs) mixed bag, if you will. I don't even want to call it a mixed bag. It was just not a mixed bag. Yeah. Uh, Dropped one of the aisles three to two uh, earlier in the week. And then Black Friday, shocker, you know, another loss to the Rangers on Black Friday, where the Wells Fargo Center is primarily blue. Um, At least, at the very least, a decent end to the week in regards to seeing Sam Erson get a shutout against the Isles in a shootout nonetheless. Yep. So um god awful game to watch though. <laughs> right. Yeah, pulling teeth. Absolutely pulling teeth there. But um a couple people coming in from injury, uh, a couple people coming out because of those injuries. So let's talk about that a little bit. We obviously saw Mark Stahl come in for Louis Belpedio and then surprise, Rista Linen's back. Thank God. 
Um, out of nowhere. He's alive. That's you know the the main thing here is that Ristolainen is alive. But uh, waiting on you. <laughs> <laughs> looking at you, Ryan Ellis. But <laughs> the yeah, Risto came in for Zamula. Um, kind of nitpicking here, but like. Did you expect to see Belpedio go out first, or did you expect to see Zamula go out first? I'll start with you, John. I guess Belpedio just made sense. I mean, considering that no one really looks at this guy as a long-term solution to the Flyers. I mean, he is he's an AHL player that's kind of been holding his own up here, you know, in a short stint. But it made sense that he was mm-hmm. the first one to go, because Philadelphia wants to see what they have in Zamula, right? You know, right. I think they're realizing what they have in Zamula, but they're <laughs> going to give him the longer look. So that made sense to me. Gotcha. What about you, Hoagie? Yeah, I've been – John's taking the words right out of my mouth. I mean, in a rebuild year, they want to see what they have available in, in their younger aspects of their of their D-line. And Zamula's going to stay in for as long as they, they can watch him. And obviously, Bill Pedio is, is that AHL guy that's just been riding – Riding the uh, the reins for for a little too long, and I'm glad I'm glad he came out just so we could see what we still have with Zamula. But I mean, obviously Risto comes back and replaces him right away. So, <laughs> like John said, we we're, we're kind of seeing what we have in in Zamula at this point. Right, and I mean let's let's be honest. I think the <laughs> as long as Ristolainen or Stall, one or the other, I think stays healthy. I. Feel like it's safe to say we might have seen the last of Zamula as a flyer. I maybe I'm exaggerating. That's a little, a little, that's a little, yeah, that's a little much. In my mind, maybe all right. This season, at the very least, but in my mind, like I'd rather the club call up Belpedio at this point. I think Belpedio played well. I think they both played all right. I think Belpedio played better than Zamula. Take yeah, that but- as you will. Right. I mean, I think when you're looking from a ceiling standpoint, though, and I would argue that maybe Zamula's ceiling isn't very high, but it is higher than Belpedio's just because of the age. Right. Sure, you can argue that. But like at the same rate, too, of the defense, I'm not worried about either of them developing. They're not, in my mind, part of the long term right. team. So like it, it could be a coin flip at this point. I really don't care. Um, right. Well, I mean, I, I think they're play. they're hoping that Zamora is a long term right. part of this team. Like that, that's why they right. want to see him. I I don't think Belpedo is going to be slotting in the lineup over him if Stahl has a crap night and he has to come out. I mm-hmm. I don't I don't see Belpedo getting that call right over okay. over him. And I think that in Zamora's case right <laughs> now, with everybody healthy. Um, you're still going to look at a situation where he might like every other night or every two nights get right. into the lineup and someone like Sealer sits out, you know, not necessarily saying that that Sealer deserves to sit or Zamula deserves to play, but considering right. what this year is, I just assume that's what it's going to look like. Right. And I mean, you've been seeing it a lot and we'll get to it here later in the show as well in regards to people sitting, people coming in for that person mm-hmm. and, and kind of like a trend that we're seeing with that. Maybe we see that on the blue line here. We talked about it a little bit too leading up to the season, playing to match a team stylistically as well. So right. maybe that comes into account here. Um, but like it, it is interesting. Like I, I'll be completely honest. I did not watch much of the Islanders game. A lot of it was just updates and things like that. But which one? Wednesday? Yeah. Which the, one? Uh, I'm sorry. The the sun the Saturday game. Yeah, uh, the one of shutout. Yeah, I was gonna say, tell me, tell me a little bit about just how boring this game was, guys. 
I, I fell mean, asleep I, in the second period. I didn't get to turn it on until like the last 10 minutes of the third. Mm. And even so then, true. I was like, what is happening in this game? In in true Islander fashion, then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just a repeat of Wednesday night team in a way. Right, right. Just, just less scoring. <laughs> I mean, the, the issue with this team, I mean, and it makes sense, is it's we lack offensive consistency. Right. right. We just don't have the weapons to produce, you know, at an off, you know, offensively produce at a high level, you know, regularly. And that's right. why, like, guys like Zamula are such a risk because he makes at least one bonehead questionable if he play a night. And when you have a team that you never know what they're going to be offensively, like, you can't afford to have those moments. Right. I would argue one boneheaded play a period, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it, it's pretty, pretty brutal. Like, I think, yeah. you know, for most of the time, he kind of holds his own. And then it's just those, like, that one costly mistake. Yep. Especially in a while. Especially when he slotted in against a team like the Rangers that are at the top of the Metro. They Right. Top of the league at this point. Top I believe. of the league. Talk about finishers. They have multiple guys that can right. put the puck in the net. Like, they mm-hmm. have Trocheck. They have – I forgot Blake Wheeler went to New York, honestly. Zabanajad. <laughs> Zabanajad is a yeah, flyer he's, killer. He's, yeah, and he's a, quietly he, – he might be one of the most good. underrated players in the league because – 100%. He's he incredible. Like, the Black but Friday like that game – team against or, the Moors. Yeah, I was at a game in January against the, uh, the Rangers, I think last year or a year before, and just – Watching him play, like they completely outclass the Flyers, and right. not to mention the fact that the entire Wells Fargo Center probably is about seventy-five percent Rangers fans. I hated seeing that, and it's still, still right. to this day, like that. I get the whole proximity; it's close, yada yada yada. But like, that never God, is that happen. frustrating? Right? Oh, it didn't. Yeah. Like now, I mean, you want to reference the Orioles here? Like, I'm used to that. When the Orioles <laughs> suck, it was Yankee fans everywhere, Red Sox fans everywhere when they came to town. I, I despised it. I hated it. But, like, I never in a million years thought I would see that at a Flyers game, nonetheless. So it's like, it's culture shock at this point. Like, we shouldn't right. ever see something like this happen at, at the Wells Fargo Center. Right. And even on Friday, I was there. Casey was there. Mm-hmm. It was the exact same way. It was just, I texted you, Derek. I was like, there's a lot right. of blue. Like, yeah. My <laughs> and it was, was around there. me, too. It was just like, I had yeah. Rangers fans in front of me. I had Rangers fans next to me. I had Rangers fans behind me. I'm like, right. Who am I My supposed to high five too. when the Flyers scored? She said the same thing. She was sitting over by the aisle and like literally surrounded by Rangers yeah. fans. And she moved over like two or three seats. And lo and behold, there she was sitting in front of Jim Jackson's wife and family. So they made a friend of the show. BFFs now. Yeah. Yep. Friend of the show, Jim Jackson. Fun fact, too. She actually <laughs> remembers yeah. us by name and still Ooh. listens to this day. So, Miss Jackson, if you're listening, thank you thank very much. Thank you, ma'am. It's a pleasure. <laughs> I am for real. <laughs> Absolutely, we'd love to have Jim back on the I show because that was a blast. <laughs> but pretty cool. She, my mom was like, she sent me a picture. She sent me, she sent me a picture of my mom and her, and I'm just like, mom, I'm like, you're the creepy lady who wanted a picture of Jim Jackson's wife. Now, like, that's that's you now. And she's like, I, I had to. I'm like, you didn't though. Had to. Like, she'll own it. It's fine. Right. Oh, wait, my All mom. Right, yeah. Of course. Anyways. Getting to the play itself and what we wanted to, I kind of foreshadowed here earlier as well. Let's talk about Bobby Brink. Let's talk about Morgan Frost. And let's talk about the whole flip-flopping here because in the two minutes it took me to look this up before the show went live, I've noticed an interesting trend. Hoagie as well. We discussed it before John got on here. 
It's just so John's completely in the loop here. In the month of November, they have both played eight games. Of those eight games, three of them, they were on the ice for the same game. The other five, they flip-flopped back and forth. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, both of them have two goals and two assists in that time frame. So with that knowledge in hand, with the overall amount of games and the whole flip-flopping and this and that, what are your general thoughts in regards to the, if we want to call it the debate between Bobby Brink and Morgan Frost? I mean, I don't think there is a debate right now. I think that like at the end of the day, you want both of these players to be in your lineup. You know, it's, you're not looking at it as one versus the other, even though like right now it might seem like that. I think the, the bigger thing for me right now is that Morgan Frost should be an everyday player in the, on, on this line. I mean, in, on this roster, the fact that he is right. not is concerning to me. I mean, I get it with Brink. I, we kind of thought that it would be Brink and Forrester like every other game, right? right. Take right. one out, put one in. Um, but it's not that way. If, if Morgan Frost can't seem to crack this roster on a nightly basis, I'm a little worried. I mean, I don't think any of us have been completely sold on Morgan Frost, but it's like he got his contract extension. Um, he's supposed to be an everyday player. Right. Bobby Brink's not there yet. So for me, you know, I know some pe- people love him and just think that the Flyers aren't giving him, you know, the time he needs or whatever it is. But, like, it's time to show up, and he's not showing up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Hoagie, what, uh, what are your thoughts here? Why isn't Martin Frost entering the lineup? Seriously, like uh, Bobby Brink, I get he he's a playmaker, and when he's on the ice, he he's great. I think I think from a tour standpoint, I don't I don't think he wants him grinding the gears every every day and and eating up a lot of minutes because he's still young. He's only played twenty six NHL right. games, so he's still learning learning everything and, and still get uh, understanding. He and he also missed. All of last year to so a point with that season, or half, it was it was a large majority yeah. of the season. So he's he's coming off of of hip surgery, and who knows if he's fully one hundred percent. I mean, obviously he looks good, and he's having a great season so far as as a full on rookie. But I mean, right. with Morgan Frost on the ice, it's like he's either there or he's not. Like, right? It, it's night and day sometimes with with games where he's like he's all over the ice, he's making plays, obviously. Yeah, somebody sp- suspic- susp- uh, sus- uh, specific. Suspicious. Specific. Specific. I'm just. Sarsaparilla. Yeah, Sarsaparilla. <laughs> specific. He doesn't have anybody to finish those those uh, those playmaking abilities. But like, I don't buy that. I don't buy it yeah. either. Like, I I feel like he can make his own plays and, and be able to finish himself at this point. Like, right. he's a big boy. And then there's other times where. You don't hear his name at all. <laughs> like, and there are there we are talked about where... it a couple weeks ago, like in terms of effort, like right, because right. there were games where Morgan Frost was essentially invisible. No one spoke about him because he wasn't making an impact in the game. And like, I'm still kind of of that mindset. I, I think he's making more of an impact, and I want him to be in the lineup so that he can get out of this funk and prove us all wrong. Like, right. I, I want that more than anything. I just. It's tough when it seems like the coach has his mind made up in regards to how he wants to handle him. I think, too, like John Tortorella clearly wants a player that's going to play all aspects of the game, right? And Mm -hmm. when Morgan Frost isn't making plays on offense, 
he's not an effective player. He doesn't right. do anything else. Right. right. And it's like there are going to be games where the playmaking opportunities don't exist, but you can still make an impact in other ways. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of player that John Tortorella wants. And it's just not what Mark Morgan Frost shows right now. Right. And that's okay to an extent. Like you're Alex Ovechkin's. I mean, again, sure, not drawing the comparisons. <laughs> better team. Not drawing comparisons. <laughs> well, a, a better team and better skill. But like, I, you can overlook his defensive deficiencies because he's prolific when it comes to scoring. Morgan Frost is not that. So at what point is it just accepting that he's an okay offensive mind and settling with that or just continuing to try to break the horse here, like, and make him that 200 foot player that he should be. I mean, it's not breaking him down to be a complete 200 foot player. Right. Playing all the, every aspect of the game, everybody plays sure. defense, regardless if you're de- offenseman de- or defenseman. Right, like, right. He he needs he needs to play that side of the puck, and he needs to play it better. The, the, right. That's kind of where it just breaks down to. If, if he's right. not doing it, other people are all kind of like take his action and and slack off as well. It's it's not good for team chemistry on the ice. Like. He's got he's got to learn it, and he's got to learn to be proficient at it to be at this NHL level. That this is how you stay in the lineup, right? Right. But if and he you- hasn't been to this point, like what what's the breaking point here in which Tortorella or anybody for that matter, Danny Breer, could come down and say that done, we're done with the frost experiment. It's just not working out. Well, I think as of right now, I mean, you have the luxury of just keep trying. Mm-hmm. There's there's yeah. not much of a trade value. You know, unless you're able to attach him to something. And I I mean, even if I just don't think that the trade value is there right now where it's like you keep giving him a a shot. Right. And it's like every two games, every three games, you throw him in, see if he gets it. The thing is with a guy like Frost right now where it's like he just it's all about the playmaking. I feel like there are teams out there where like they do have the luxury of having a player like that where it's like they can kind of make up for his lack of defensive play and capitalize on his offensive abilities. The Flyers aren't a team in that position right now. And they're probably not going to be for a little bit of time. A couple of years. (laughs) You know, so. So let's say we get, sorry, I don't mean, I don't mean to interrupt there. No, no, I was just gonna say like, maybe you could sell a team on a, a bill of goods like that, where it's like, you know, it's not working out here because we don't have the horses to run with him. We don't have, you know, the defensive players to compliment him, you know, but if you put him in your situation, maybe it would work better. But again, I I don't know if I see enough of it. Right. So then let's play some hypotheticals here. So two year deal, correct? Morgan Frost, he's good for this year, next year. Let's say same, same bill of goods next year where we're dealing with the same, Type of player, same type of play, everything. And it's still not working out. But this team is still not where they should be if they want to contend. Right. Is it worth even trying to get him to come back at that point? Like for an extension? Like for an extension, like to sign him to another contract. I think that by the by the end of this season, they'll know what they want to do with Morgan Frost. Right. Where it's okay. like, even though they have him for one more year, if he continues to play like this, where he's in and out of the lineup, they'll go, okay, he is he's on our team for one more year, right? But we don't see a long-term plan right. with him. Sure. Because okay. at, th- at that point, to add on to your point, John, is they have they have these players in the wings that are going to be making the jump. 
Robert Gautier, the Matt Mitchkovs. These are players that, I mean, they're learning as as they go as well, but they're going to be slotted right into the lineup, and and he's just going to be a dead roster spot at that point. If if he can't stick it and and play the type of hockey that the Flyers want, they they have these quote-unquote all-star players that that are ready to come. And you also need to know like where your spots are filled. I mean, right. and, and if he is if he is still a question mark, then it's like, okay, maybe we still need to address this center position, you know, a little mm-hmm. bit more. Um, yep. I think they still do. I mean, they're still pretty thin, you know. Oh, so yeah, does that does that play to his favor a little bit though? What that they're thin? The fact that they're thin at center. Well, I mean, it I probably mean, played to his favor in the off season when he was signing a deal. If he could, if he could crack the lineup on a regular basis, right. I mean, it should, Derek. That's the thing that's frustrating, right? There's no reason this guy should not be dressed every single night, right? I mean, right. look how depleted this team is of skill. They're in a rebuild. He's a young playmaking center. Everything sounds like okay. He should be playing every single game, but he can't even stay on the in the lineup. Right, almost every other for game. Sure. It really, like, it really sucks when he's out there for warmups too. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that he, he that did it all. He did strange. it all Friday at the, against the the Rangers. I saw him skating. I was like, oh, all right. Let's do you see. think and that's a wasn't even think a thing? Like, it, is it actually that it's coming down to the last minute so that when they submit their cards and their lineups? It's literally happening right before they write down either Brink or Frost. Or do you think he knows and he's still being forced right. to go out and do warm-ups? That's interesting. I don't know. I don't like, know is how, it a mind how they really game? break that down. Because, like, I'm not going to put it past a guy like Tortorella to do that. Because, like, <laughs> you you play those games. Right. You, but know, you think that also, it'll get through to somebody. I mean, Tortorella also isn't going to be watching warm-ups to see who, who's doing the right things. Like, he, he has his mind made right. up right before, before warm-ups. Like... Mm-hmm. I don't think he's doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's all on how you Up tackle to it, minute. too. Like, you don't want to see him just, like, you know, you don't want to see him out there, like, busting his ass on in warm-ups. But, like, you also don't want to see him just out there, like, going through the motions, like, just putting a puck, you know, yep, dicking around. Yeah. Here's a spin zone right. on it, though. What if he's electing to take the warm-ups? What if it's that, like, he's being scratched, but he wants to prove to Tortorella, right, that he is working his rear he's end off, and he's like, I want to do player. warm-ups, and then I'll go up to the press box. Right. I mean – our, look at look at John first, being optimistic for the player. My I'm first question would be: Are players able to make that decision? Like, can players well, just tell a coach, "Hey, I'm taking warm up sure. regardless of whether I'm sitting or not"? Right. Well, I mean, I think all of this is questions because to me, right, I would, would almost feel like Tortorella would need to submit his line lineup card before warm ups. Um, I mean, players uh, take warm ups all the time. There's always right. game time decisions and stuff sure. like that that happen. So, I I really don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah, right. And, and I mean, honestly, that was my first when it first happened where Frost was skating and warm ups, and I was like, oh, someone must be a game time decision. And then right. I noticed it keep happening. I was like, oh, okay, that's a, it's a little bit more weird. I just wonder though, like, as we're saying, you know, just is John Tortorella even watching the warm ups, right? And then it's like, what does somebody do during warm ups to prove whether or not they should ready be the in game. the lineup or not? <laughs> There's nothing. You know? There's nothing. For sure. Yeah, it, like, no, I could see it being, I could see it being like that case in a game like like basketball. Like if some guy 
is just shooting lights out from behind the three point line. Like, and, and like, he's right, supposed to, yeah, like, okay, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta start him, you know, but that, that's also, we're talking starters and bench where the bench can come in. Like, right. we're not talking about hockey where you need to have your guys lined up. So, you guys are rolling um, every, every <laughs> right. seconds. Exactly. But, like, nonetheless, I, I still find it very interesting that these are the two guys they're picking to basically flip flop between Frost and Brink because Brink is a winger. And yes, Frost can play wing. However, yep. On a team that needs center depth, you'd want him to be playing center. So what you're seeing now, obviously, Paling is going up to the third line occasionally. Uh, I think well, Lawton is, if I'm not mistaken, but he's typically getting dropped down. to Lawton's the on the fourth, and I thought Paling was on the second the other night. He may have been. I'm not quite sure. I know, obviously, you've got Cates and Couturier that are playing center, um, but they've <clears> been – Cates has had – I don't want to say he's had a rough go of it, but we haven't seen what we saw from him last year. And it's uh, at what point is that concerning, I guess, would be a question. Right. But I but I think for the for the centers, it's been Couturier, as of late, Couturier, Paling, Cates, Lawton. And then I guess when Frost enters the lineup, I guess he takes third. They just You would think. You're not going to put him on the fourth line like that. That's right. I, I think that's out of the question and shouldn't even be a thought. What's his minutes? Do you know? Frost's minutes? I yeah. couldn't tell you. If I had to guess, I'm probably guessing 13 minutes a night, something like that. I do wonder though if it was like it's it's always been the plan. Almost 15. Brink. 15. Oh, okay. You know, like. I wonder if, regardless of this frost situation, if the plan was always to kind of have Brink Brink come in and out of the lineup, you mm-hmm. know, where it was like he seems like a really coachable, just smart player. Where it's right. like it when he's kind of having those off games, or you can see it, his play starting to decline, like taking him out of the lineup and having those coachable moments, and as opposed to like when he's playing bad, sending him down, um, right. makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and it just happens to be that Morgan Frost is the guy that he's swapping in and out of I, sure, if, right. in and out for just because, you yeah. know, when we've already just circumstances, it. like right. you saw it too, like when Brink had his first NHL goal and like Tortorella's reaction, like a coach is going to react that way to a guy who is a coachable type of guy. Like he'll be right. genuinely excited when someone like yeah. that scores a goal. I, I don't want to sit here and be like, Oh, coach is pet. You know, he's, he's just Tortorella just really likes him and you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, Sure, he does like him, um, <clears throat> but you know, I I just I don't know what to think of this right now. Like, I've got my thoughts in regards to the little things here and there, but overall, it's like it it's confusing that you have two guys, different positions, different capabilities that are flip flopping in and out of a lineup in which seems I don't want to say like you've got your twelve guys for the most part. Lines are jumbled every goddamn night at this point. I, just, I don't know. I mean, I'm we expect we expected the line the line jumble. Right. It's like <clears throat> right a rebuilding team. You don't really know what you have or right <clears throat> what the talent is going to be up and down the lineup. So you, you just try to see what sticks and who can play together. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's we'll see how things go because I mean the the Flyers have you know some games coming up. In regards to Tuesday night, they play Carolina. Thursday, they play Jersey. It's it's the Metro gauntlet at this point, and so right. far, they're they're two and two, um, considering the Columbus game back on last Sunday, the nineteenth. But like, 
their play hasn't inspired much confidence in me in regards to what I'm looking forward to with Carolina, Jersey, Pittsburgh twice. And then right. they head out West um, Arizona and Colorado in December. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's slow starts too. I mean, when the Flyers were playing well, they were scoring in the first quarter, in the first period, first quarter. Mm-hmm. So I was just watching football. <laughs> um, but uh, recently they haven't, they haven't been able to even look like a competent hockey team. I think one right. of the Rangers scored two, like in the two first, in the first two minutes. Oh yeah. Ridiculous. Within yeah. 40, I think it's 47 seconds into the game when uh, Zibanejad had the first, right. The, this is just not a hockey team. Right before the, this is not a hockey team that's going to win when they're right. down two nothing the first right. two minutes into a, right. you know, a, you know, top well, record like the Rangers. I don't think they've won a game in which they got scored on first. Every yeah, every wins if, come from scoring first. If right. they score first in the game, they typically win that game, right? right. <clears throat> Which is pretty impressive for the Flyers because that, that's usually never sure. a thing. But like, yeah, <laughs> I think last year was uh, last year it was like the, every time they scored first, they ended up losing the game Lose, anyway. Like, yeah, something, something. Yeah, weird. yeah. I mean, let's let's get into that here a little bit too because we're really finding out kind of what this team's going to be. I know we had the conversation last week where they're at at Thanksgiving is typically indicative of whether they're going to be a playoff team uh, come, you know, April. But I'm not convinced, man. Not convinced by these last couple of games. The key is going to be incredibly obvious, but I have to say it anyway. Can the moments more of games than you lose? Well, can the moments <laughs> of good last longer than the bad moments, right? Right. It's like, if you're going to be an inconsistent team because of the lack of skill that you have, right. Can you play a, you know, solid brand of hockey that gets you four or five games in a row more times than you end up having these clunkers, you know? And I think that's really the key is if you're going to be streaky, hope that the good streaks are longer than the bad (laughs) streaks. Right. History will tell you, though, that's not the case. Because, I mean, how many 10-game losing streaks did we have last year? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So This is franchise history. We should talk about that. Right. right. <laughs> like, I, I completely agree with that point. Yes, it is the obvious point, but it, it carries a lot of weight because you see how streaky this team is. Like, they will go on win streaks like the five-game win streak that we just had. Right. And then, you know, like last season, you see them lose 10 straight. And then, right. obviously, this season – they were the slump busters for San Jose. Like, right. You're but getting, also, let's not forget. <laughs> let's not forget, though. It was only a two-game losing streak because they won last night. Right. For sure. You know. Like, right. And I, I was going to bring that up. Like the Islanders. The first Islanders game wasn't. They lost what three to two. Like three to it was two. A, they were down early. Two, I think yeah. two nothing. Yeah, and yeah. I mean they they fought back, and I mean even in the third period they they. They were competitive. They they were trying right. trying to create that drive and offense, and they don't they don't have that finisher that that helps us. I mean, TK made a great play in the last minute of, of the game to create a chance for himself, but like it was too late at that point. Right. Like during this those two games, uh, like they were still being competitive, which which is it's nice to see that they're not just giving up, but like. I still think they'll be that bubble playoff team because it's like right now we're we're third in the metro. True. Right. I think if, I mean, if we if we go through this this metro madness, whatever you want to call it, and get a couple more wins out of it, it's pretty big because I mean the metro is a mess right now. I mean the Rangers yeah. are just running away with it with thirty one points. They're just let them. They're just eating everybody up. 
Yeah, if that's the one team that runs away with it, like if there's one specific team that is far and away better than everybody else, but leaves the rest to just mediocrity, right? right. Maybe the Flyers. It's have anybody's a game, right? Right. I do still think, though, as that season, as this season progresses, you're going to see a couple more teams not necessarily pull away like the Rangers have, but they're going to establish Let's themselves get back as into a, their stride. Exactly. <laughs> you're going to see your Carolinas probably. I'd argue maybe even Washington. They're right. still like, eh. I don't I'm know. Like New Jersey at some point, you figure. New Jersey's got to click, yeah. I mean, they're, sitting, gotta click. they're sitting at 9-9-1. Nine, nine, and one. Yeah. Right. That's <laughs> – I know the Penguins are sitting at 10-10. Ten and ten. Like, right. I don't care. Yeah. Just, just weird just weird Metro right now. Or you thought like right. – me- Lately, the Metro has just been this like monster mega house with all-star players oh, yeah. and everything. And now it's just mediocrity. <laughs> I love right. it. But, and I also think, like, I know that the the people who think that this team should lose as many games as possible will disagree with me. But I do think that, like, being a bubble play, like, in the playoff picture towards the end is a win for this team. I think that Absolutely. They, could, yeah. they could walk away feeling really good about themselves if they were playing meaningful hockey towards the end of the season. Right. Yeah, and don't I'm, they have three first-round picks this coming up draft? I think it's uh, is it three or two. two. Just two. two. Florida, two. yeah. This is still two first-round picks. Like right. you've got enough to package it if you want an elite talent potentially, or you right. come away with two solid players from a draft that you know is looking pretty good. I, I think. And if you're not a playoff team, you still get a chance to win the lottery. Like right. Remember, it's, it's a slim. lottery. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, again, you know, we'll see in the coming week how things go with the with the matchups against you know your Carolinas, your Pittsburghs, and this and that. But like. Right. As of late, too, like let's get into a little bit of the goalie play here because what I've been noticing is I'm not going to sit here and elaborate or be ex- exaggerative about like the evolution of Sam Erson, but like the way he started the year versus the way that he is playing right now, at least you're seeing almost I don't want to say a different Sam Erson, but you're seeing a, a better, much Sam better Erson from last season that made people right. excited. Yeah. Right. His first five games, he, he stopped 83 of 100 shots. Like right there, 830 save percentage. Terrible. Not good. Right. Not NHL worthy. <laughs> His last three games, he is also 3-0-0 in these games, but he's got a 9-4-1. Those first five games, 1-3-1. Like, yes, you're seeing the different side, the other side of the coin with Sam Erson at this point. So I'll start with Hoagie because I started with John the past couple of times. How are you feeling and are you much more confident in regards to how Sam Merson's playing right now? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you want to have a confident backup putting up some decent numbers to help. Helps for right now and it helps for the future as well. You know what you have and you can keep riding with that. I think for Erson, I think he's now starting to get into the, like the regular regularity of a, of a backup right. situation. He's not getting tossed into games right away. Like they're not, Heart's not hurt. Like it, it was. It was kind of like goalie madness to start the season. I think now, now he's finally starting to get get his starts that he was expected to have, and and keep rolling with it. And that internal pressure, like all the excitement right. that was Sam from you know coming from the fans of Sam Hurst, <clears throat> and like it's gone now. Right, we're kind of right. into the season. You know, for me, I think the biggest thing is just don't <laughs> revert back. Mm-hmm. Just show me that you can keep playing the way that you're playing. I mean, obviously, you know, you know, the saves percentage is going to dip down. He's not going to shut everybody out, but like, don't look like that, you know, goalie that lacked confidence and seemed nervous to make a mistake the way that he did in the beginning, beginning of the season. And I'll feel fine. 
Right. Right. Do you think it factors in a little bit in regards to how the blue line looks now versus what it was last year? Because obviously there was a lot of change. You know, you're talking about probably a good 50 percent of the blue line looks different at this point. Um, is it Urson maybe just getting used to playing behind these new guys or do you just think it's kind of a mental thing for him? I think it's all of the above. <laughs> You know, I mean, it, the it, roster shit way out of that one, man. Well, right. I mean, but think about it though. He's a young goalie who has little to no experience in the NHL, right? Now he's a backup, right? People are talking about him as being Hart's replacement. He has a new blue line that you know is playing a and a, just a different scheme to the team defensively than last year. I feel yeah, right, you know. Um, so I just think it's all of it, yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's okay. gonna be bumps in the road. Every goalie has bumps in the road. So, like, right. And that's, why goalies, that's why goalies are weird. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. No, I, I do love the fact that we are seeing him turn, kind of turn things around. Obviously, it wasn't a drastic situation by any means, but like, right. knowing the expectations that were kind of lumped on him at the beginning of the year, knowing he was our backup, <clears throat> we had Cal Peterson, Peterson in the back, you know, and, and, Sandstrom, who's been waived, and hey, cleared waivers. Go figure. Could you imagine? Oh my God! If we had lost sad. Felix Sandstrom, I was a little sad. Oh, I don't know what him. I would have done. But yeah, I, I I think that also, I feel like that should have been at the very least used as a confidence booster. Like, hey, we had three goalies on the roster. Right. You're this. You're you're our one B. You're our our backup now. Like that right there. He's, yeah, he's proven boost. Yep. Right. I mean, yeah. and it's like, I, don't, I, I feel like as a player, you can't help but speed things up in your head where it's like every moment you're under the, this microscope where I feel like the coach then has to come in and go like, listen, we're taking a patient approach to this. You need to do the same. Yeah, today wasn't great. But it's just go out there and do it again. Right. And I think tomorrow's like, another day. Right. Yep. And I feel like John Tortorella at this point in his tenure, I have, you know, I don't know if I would say this when he was coaching the Rangers, um, <laughs> is will is willing to do that and really wants to like coach the mind. So I feel like for somebody like Urson, that would be really beneficial. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's encouraging to say the least. But um, in terms of other topics here guys i think we covered a good bit i mean is there anything Great. you guys want to touch on in regards to how what you're seeing who's standing out anything in particular here how about we have the most 24 year olds with points <clears throat> in the nhl well that we're a rebuilding team that's helpful right right it, it gets you excited for right. the future and, and what you're what you're probably going to be seeing two to three years down the road of what this flyers team might look like it's just right. – I didn't think at the start of the season we'd have, what is it, like four or five 24-year-olds just leading the whole league in, in points together. I, yeah. I just think it's, it's exciting because we have more in the wings. Just got to temper those expectations, man. Not all of them are going to be studs, Hoagie. How about, uh, <laughs> how about Travis Sanheim? Just wait a 180 and make this contract look like it could actually be good. Good for him, man. You yeah. know, I mean, I hope it's, I hope it lasts. I mean, if anything has, to, yeah, if we've learned anything about Travis Sanheim, inconsistent seems to be <laughs> the word. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's like one season he's got it, the next season he doesn't. But talk about really stepping up to the plate. 
that's been like the season for every quote unquote number one defenseman <laughs> that we've had like, for the past like 10 sure. years. <laughs> Sandheim's been an interesting case though. Like he has pretty good years. Like I'm not going to say great, but he All has right. pretty good years. But then it's always that next year that it's like, ah, oh, damn, dude. Like, what are you doing? You know? And I feel like we've always, I mean, not like we, but Flyers fans and people who talk about the team have always like pigeonholed him as this. Like, there's no way he could be a top pairing defenseman. He's, mm-hmm. he's a middle pairing defenseman. You got to, but it's like, dude's he's taking, taking the step. reins. Yeah. Yep. He's taking I mean, a step. He's proving everybody wrong, which good. You love to see that. Right. 100%. I would love for Morgan Frost to do that, but. <laughs> Right. Maybe him and Sandheim can like uh, you know grab lunch or something and uh, right. talk about it a little talk bit. Talk about it. Talk about the feelings. <laughs> they'll, they'll take the he'll talk him into taking uh, Ristolainen's grooming advice. There, there you go. go. And then he'll turn it around. <laughs> yeah, maybe Morgan Frost will grow a, a nice mustache. <laughs> Travis Sandheim does look a little bit like a Billy Goat. Like, <laughs> kind of does. Yeah, it's getting <laughs> worse as yeah. it goes. <laughs> it's gonna, as it gets longer. Right. <laughs> oh boy all right man well uh that's pretty much it for us here this week uh we'll be back next week in regards to whatever happens this week uh we'll have <laughs> some uh some more metro madness to report on like hoagie put it uh but until then folks uh, it's been great listening check out our affiliates too over at flyers high and wide they're on twitter or x at flyers hw our guys over at the five minute major podcast are on x at five minute major pod david mastro and uh until next week folks enjoy it and uh let's go flyers bye now bye now Suck it, Casey.